All right, let's, I'm going to preach today. I'm going to begin in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. I won't have you stand in the reading of our scripture today. I know our time's getting away from us a little bit, so I'll be aware of that. Let's enjoy the Word of God today. We're in a series called Rediscovering the Church. And you say, well, Pastor, why would you want to speak several weeks on that, many weeks now? Because the most precious thing to our Lord and Savior Jesus is his church. Do you know that he shed his blood for his church? Very precious. When Paul was persecuting the church and he met Paul on the Damascus Road, do you remember what Jesus said to Paul, Saul at the time? Why are you persecuting me? What was, was Paul persecuting Jesus or people on earth? Well, people on earth, but those people on earth, were called, it's called the church. So closely connected is Jesus with his church that he feels what we feel. His presence is in us. His presence is among us. Today, I want to preach uh, and share really part two of what I shared with you last time. I want to say quickly that I appreciate Brother Reese ministering last week. I hear he did such a wonderful job, and I appreciate him in his ministry, growing in his preaching life, and thank God that God has men like this with us. But today I want to talk again about the precious Holy Spirit. He should be very precious to us. He is not something, someone just on a doctrinal statement, but he wants to be very real in your life. Not just here in this place, but he wants to be very real every day in your life. So I want to talk a little bit about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is really part two of rediscovering the church, the message rediscovering our might, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6 and 10 gives us a great verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong. And let me stop there. Be strong. How are we going to be strong? Sometimes we feel so weak in this big, vast world. But notice what it said. It didn't say be strong in your own strength. Don't, you don't have to figure it out on your own. Look at this verse. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, there was a song we sang years ago. I think it came out like in the late 60s, early 70s. What a mighty God we serve. How many of you remember that little chorus? What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. You know that you serve a mighty God today. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Here's Jesus speaking here. He says, but you shall receive power. And then you say, well, when, when, is the, when do I receive this power? Notice this. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when he comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, or witnesses to me, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, the, uh, the ends of the earth, he says. This is a prophecy. This is a, ten, a prophecy. Ten days later, the prophecy was fulfilled. And we get a picture of, of what it means when the Holy Spirit comes on someone. We find it in Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, that's the believers, were all together with one accord. That's not a Honda, that's together. One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As a rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then, and there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled 
with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The all field, we know that in Acts 1, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. It says there, the other women were there. We know the apostles were there. We know that there's, there's a number. We say there was 120, but actually that's an approximate number. It says there was about 120. There may have been 123, 125, 130. There may have been, so we, we see there were many people there, some named, some not named, but we know that everyone there, all of them, were what? Were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what, it, this is what happens when Jesus says, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what he says here. 120 believers, and from that point, within 100 years, I told you, they had taken the gospel to the, the whole world, basically, in that day. Amazing. Think about it. No military power, no monetary power, no social power, no political strength, but they had great might. And the world may look in on us today and they say, well, what kind of might do you have? We have the Holy Spirit with us. How you know, I mean, you know, God is with us today. The Lord is with us. What is the might of the church? I just read it to you. The might of the church is in Ephesians 6, 10, Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1, 2, 2, 1 through 4, the, the, the strength of the church is the power of the Holy Spirit among us, in us, and flowing through us. That's the strength of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk a little bit, just a few minutes. I won't go long, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's what I want you to see. Here's the objective of the message today, to show you, the believers, that there is a definite experience subsequent to salvation which is called, we call the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you a couple of quotes here. There was a great minister. In fact, I went on the internet this morning and I heard this minister preach. I heard him audibly preach. He died in, I think, 1923. So we're, we're getting the beginning of technology. 1923, I turned on the internet and I found this man, a great minister of the gospel, that I'm going to quote to you from. I have probably six or eight, ten. He wrote 40 books. He was really a Baptist minister. And he, pre, he was born in the late 1800s. He died about 1923. His name is Reuben Torrey, R.A. Torrey. And I heard him in his own words. I had never heard him in his own words. I didn't know I could hear his words. I read many of his books. But he was a Baptist minister that believed exactly what I'm telling you today about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Here's, I'm going to quote Brother Tory. Here's what he says. He says, and I quote, The baptism with the Holy Spirit is an operation of the Holy Spirit distinct from and subsequent and additional to the regenerating work. I continue to quote. Here's what he says. I believe perfectly doctrinal. A man may be regenerated by the Holy Spirit and still not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In regeneration, listen, in regeneration, salvation, there is the impartation of life. And the one receiving him is saved. The Holy Spirit parts salvation. He imparts life. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is an impartation of power. And the one who receives him, it, this experience is fitted for service. What the Lord would love to do today is fill us with his presence and power so that we be an effective church in his hand. We're not going to be effective because we have more money or because we have more of the world. We're going to be effective if we have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon us. Let me quote again, Brother Tory. 
Reuben Torrey. You need to go on the internet. It's amazing. It's a little, it's a little scratchy, but I thought, I am hearing a man that I've read about all my life, all my Christian life. I'm listening to this man's voice. I'm hearing him preach. I sense the presence of God as he's preaching. He, you know, he, he pastored the great memorial, Moody Memorial Church. He, he helped start Moody Bible College. He preached all over the world. And I heard a man who loved Jesus and loved his word. Here's what he says, again, about this subject. And he's got a book about this, too. He says, and I quote, The baptism with the Holy Spirit is given to those who have already believed on Christ and answered in answer to definite prayer. But there, may, but there may be much earnest prayer, and still the Holy Spirit not, not come because the prayer is not in faith. He says, the faith that receives this, as every other blessing at once, is the faith that counts it as its own. So in other words, what he's saying is this, is that we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. We walk in the Spirit by faith. Do you know one of Jesus' deepest desires? This is one of his deepest desires, that his followers would receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's what John said about Jesus. He said, Indeed, I baptize you with water to repentance, but one comes after me who is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, he, Jesus, will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Do you know all four gospel writers emphasize this experience in the Holy Spirit? I read a story this week of a man who gave 100 pounds, English pounds, for a, for a poor minister. He gave it to this man to give to a poor minister, 100 pounds. Well, the man received it, and he thought, you know, I better not send all this at once. I'm going to send it a little at a time. So he sent it five pounds at a time in a little envelope, in a letter, and, and the letter said this, more to follow. So this poor minister would receive this letter with five-pound note in it, and then it would say, more to follow. And then a little later, he'd get, a, he'd get another five-pound note, and it would say, more to follow. And then a little later, he would get a more, a, another five-pound note, and it would say, more to follow, until he received it all. Do you realize what Jesus said? Jesus said to the disciples in John 14, the Holy Spirit is upon you, but guess what? There's more to follow. He shall be in you. In other words, there was a deeper experience that Jesus wanted to do on the day of Pentecost. Jesus actually said that it was, it was to their advantage that he go away. Now, I wouldn't have seen it that way. After Jesus died, he hung on the cross. That traumatic situation, seeing the nails in his hands and his feet, seeing the suffering, and then thinking you lost him forever, and then all of a sudden... He's back again from the dead. And then Jesus says in John 16, it is to your advantage that I go away. I would have said, I don't agree with you, Jesus. I want you to stay right here. No, no, no. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because he says in John 16, 7, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. In other words, he says, Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. More to follow. No one in this room would dare stand and say, oh, I've got all the Holy Spirit that I'll ever have. Let me tell you, till the day you die, God is so big, he has more to follow for you. Amen. 
Come on, he has more for you. He has more for this church. There's more. God, you could never exhaust the awesome grace and blessing of God. God has more for you. Turn to your neighbor and says, the Lord has more to you for you. Tell him that. I heard about a young man who was, uh, who was starting a business, and he realized that he rented, he, he rented, a, uh, he rented a, a, a business right across the street from the same kind of business, the same business, and it said on their sign, in business, 50 years. And this young man said, how in the world am I going to top that? How in the world? 50 years of business. How am I going to top that? What am I going to say on my sign? And then he thought, ah, he put on his sign, established yesterday, no old stuff. (laughs) Uh, Many of you in this room have been raised in church. I've been raised around churches that believe what brother, the Baptist preacher, brother Tory, about this Holy Spirit, that he would come and he would fill us. But yet you you say, and, and, and many testimonies of many Christians, yes, the Lord filled me back then. The Lord touched me back then. Yes, I experienced this. Yes, when I was a kid. Yes, when I was at youth camp. Yes, when I was in this revival meeting and that Bible meeting. Do you know the Lord wants us to say no old stuff? Why? Because Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. Come on. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what that word is? Here it is. In the Greek, it's present tense, passive voice, imperative mood. It means be being filled. Be continually being filled. Do you know what? You don't have to wait till Sunday to get a fresh touch on the Lord. There's the river that's on the inside of you. If you'll pray, if you'll worship God wherever you are, God will just let that river flow out of you. Rivers of living water. No old stuff. Come on. Everybody say no old stuff. Come on, no old stuff. It's new. God's mercies are new every morning. Oh, the Holy Spirit is with us. So here we have it, Acts 2. Let me me touch on some things. I'm going to go through these PowerPoint brothers. I'm going to go through this quickly. Acts 2 describes the coming of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean? What does the coming of the Holy Spirit mean? First of all, it means harvest. Harvest. Pentecost is a Jewish feast. It was 50 days. They counted 50 days after Pentecost. Passover and 50 days also called the Feast of Weeks because they counted 50 days, actually 49 and then one more day, 50 days after Passover and they would celebrate what is called the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost. And basically what it was, it was a natural and agricultural sense. It was they would offer the first fruits of the grain harvest to the Lord. There was actually one that was waved before as it started, and that was a type of Jesus coming, raising from the dead. Then 50 days later, they would also present this offering to the Lord. I won't read that out of Leviticus 23. Read Leviticus 23. It describes it. But it means Pentecost. It means the harvest. And do you know what you're celebrating when we celebrate this, the coming of the Holy Spirit? Each Lord's Day, each Lord's Day, we celebrate three things. Each, each Sunday morning, we celebrate. First of all, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday we gather. That's why we're here today. The most important thing you'll do today is right now. We are celebrating the resurrected Christ, our Savior. Secondly, we are celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit on Acts, in Acts chapter 2 every Sunday. And then thirdly, we are celebrating the birth of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that's secondly what it means. The coming of the Holy Spirit means harvest, the harvest, the grain harvest. It also means the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The coming of the Holy Spirit is the birth of the church. In the New Testament, you never have an address for the church. Now, many times we say, okay, let's go to the church. And we mean 1535 Beltline Road, 422 South Ebright. The Bible never does that. You never have a physical address to the church. It'll say a city. And the reason is, is this. When, when the scripture refers to the church, it refers to two things. Number one, it can refer to an assembly, an assembly of people without a location, any assembly of people. But it also, it refers, uh, it refers to those who are born again, the, whether, whether on earth, whether in heaven, the ecclesia, the church. So the coming of the Holy Spirit, here's what it means. First of all, it means harvest. Secondly, it means the birth of the church. Thirdly, it means fulfilled prophecy. Prophecy is powerful. Acts chapter 2 was a fulfillment of prophecy. Acts 2.16, and this is what Joel spoke. It's fulfilled prophecy. In the last days... I will part my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Peter on the day of Pentecost is quoting from the book of Joel. And what is he saying? What's happening here in this outpouring of the presence of the Lord is what God spoke through the prophet Joel. It's fulfilled prophecy. The coming of the Holy Spirit also means that we're in the last days. Peter said this in verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days. Everyone say last days. We are, we are in the last days. There are certain things that are going to be taking place in the last days. The last days, when we use that term as ministers, what we're talking about is the last days began at the first coming of Jesus, and the last days will conclude at the coming, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That time frame between the first and second coming is called the last days. And there are many prophecies telling us what will happen in the last days. We're living in the last days. Also, the coming of the Holy Spirit means this, that we are in the age, this is a term that we use, the age of the Holy Spirit. To me, we live in the most privileged age that mankind has ever lived in. The Lord did many wonderful things by His Spirit in the Old Testament. God anointed certain ones, but God did not anoint in the Old Testament like He's anointing today. Every child of God that is born again immediately is indwelt by the Spirit of God. Immediately, every, no matter who they are, if someone is saved, the Spirit of Christ comes into them and they receive the life of born, born again. Eternal life is what the Spirit of God imparts to us. And then what we're talking about today is this experience, not of salvation, but endowment of power, what Brother Tory talked about, what D.L. Moody talked about in his testimony, what Charles Finney talked about, what others talked about, what we read about here, this endowment of power so that we could be effective Christians for the Lord, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And you know what else it means, the coming of the Holy Spirit? The meaning is this, that Jesus reigns. Maybe you didn't realize that. Maybe you didn't realize that the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 means that Jesus is alive and that he is reigning on his throne. I read a story of an Arctic explorer. He spent two years traveling and exploring the Arctic. Well, he took a pigeon, a homing pigeon with him. For two years, his wife did not hear from him. Too long. And then finally, after two years... 
he tied a little note under the wing of that homing pigeon. And he took that little homing pigeon and he threw it up in the air, in that cold Arctic air. And he said that little homing pigeon did a th three laps around the ship. And then it headed south, flew a thousand miles over that Arctic, flew another thousand miles over that icy ocean, 2,000 miles or more to Norway. That little homing pigeon landed right in the lap of that man's wife. She took that note out and she read that note. And you know what she said? She said, the bird that showed up, when, it sh when, the, when, the, when the bird showed up, I knew he was, my husband was alive and I knew he was coming back again. When the Holy Spirit came down in Acts 2, what they said is, Jesus is alive and he's coming back again. Amen. You hear that? When the Holy Spirit poured out in the book of Acts, you say, is that really what it means? Look at what the Bible says here, Acts 2.32. Now notice, what I, notice the illustration. When the bird came, I knew he was alive and I knew he was coming home. Notice what Peter said, Acts 2.32. This Jesus God raised up of which we are witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, he, Jesus, poured out what you now see and what you now hear. Acts 2 is a, is a sign to the world. Jesus is alive. It's a sign to us. It's a, when the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, it's a signal to us. We have a reigning Savior. He's alive. He is reigning. He's heading. He's building His church. And guess what? It's a sign. He's coming back. Come on, He's coming back. He's coming back for us. He loves us. Glory to God. I'm about to get excited here. How did He come? He came suddenly. That's what it said. I read that to you, didn't I? All of a sudden, suddenly, this happened. God can do things suddenly. What a mighty God we serve. We know that Acts 1 and 14 says that they were praying. They'd been praying on and off probably 14 days or 10 days. And here they are in Acts 1, 14, and they're praying. And all of a sudden, they're praying and they're worshiping. And they're just getting their hearts ready. And they're waiting on the Lord. And then, who knows? They may have been quoting some of the old Psalter. They may have been there praying. Who knows what they were? They were Hebrew people. They were Jewish people. They were using the songbook and the prayer book. Maybe they were praying, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Maybe Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Maybe Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech. Night unto night shows knowledge. There is no place where his voice is not heard. Maybe Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he does meditate day and night. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I don't know what they were praying or quoting, but I know this. Suddenly, suddenly, the Holy Spirit showed up in an unusual way. Suddenly, he came suddenly. He burst in the meeting. Let me tell you, he's the Lord of the church. When he wants to interrupt the meeting, it's not an interruption. It's his meeting. Come on, Amen. Are you with me? Don't you want him? Don't you want there to be times when the Holy Spirit just takes over in the worship service? I watched a service 
I watched a, a beautiful, spirit-filled Baptist church this week. I have no clue how I even got there. I really don't. But I can tell you this. I, I'm not, in, you know, Baptist, it doesn't matter to me. I can tell where God is because I can witness the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that pastor was preaching. Man of God. Been there 50 years. Can you imagine that? Some of you say, no, I can't imagine that. But uh, 50 years have been at the church. And, and Baptist church, and I know some Baptist churches are very, very quiet, but some are, this wasn't. I'm telling you, during the worship, people started walking. I watched them on the video. People were just going down and kneeling at the altar when, when the worship team was singing. They were, they were responding to the Holy Spirit. They were, they were yielding and just coming down and praying. And some, I could see a family kneeling down. Nobody gave an altar call. People just felt drawn to come to the altar. I can't wait till we get our privileges back. I love when people come and kneel. I just love that. But how did the Holy Spirit come? We, I told you what it meant. It meant harvest. It meant the church. It meant the age of the Holy Spirit. It meant the last days. It meant he's reigning. But, what, but what, how did he come? Suddenly. Suddenly, let me tell you, the worst thing you can do is try to package some kind of empty religion. Oh, we sing three songs, and then we do this. Or, oh, if we sing this kind of music, then he's going to come. Or if we preach out of this kind of translation. And what we try to do is package it, and then you and I ruin it. He's the Holy Spirit. I know this. If we just pray and get holy before God and just, set our, just put our sail at full the Holy Spirit will blow, and we'll just go where he wants us to go. Amen. But I know there's some certain ways. It's not just willy-nilly. He moves by his nature. There's certain ways that he moves. I would suggest you read a book. I very rarely suggest books. I suggest this book. I got my big book today, my big Bible. It's so funny how my, all my Bibles shrunk. I don't know what happened to those Bibles. Oh my, they got small. I don't know what happened. But anyway, that's my big one there. But I want to suggest a book for you. How many of you, know, how many of you ever heard of the church, Westminster Chapel in London, England? G. Campbell Morgan, great pastor, dead many years ago. Followed him, uh, a man by the name of Dr. Martin Lord Jones. Now, these are reformed guys. I'm not saying follow all their doctrine. But then, after him, followed him at Westminster Chapel in London, R.T. Kendall. R.T. Kendall is a spirit-filled minister. He wrote a book. Get this. You could look, I, I, I want to go better. Not only buy the book. Go on the internet today. And I don't tell you to go on a lot because a lot of that junk is just goofy. He, he has a teaching. He's sitting in his lawn, I think. Here's what he titled it, Pigeon Religion. He wrote a book called Pigeon Religion. And in the book, he outlines the differences between pigeons and doves. And he said, a lot of what's going on in the church world today is not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Spirit of God. It's not the genuine move of God. It's pigeon religion. But he, in the book he says, he outlines, it says, when the Holy Spirit moves, there, there's distinctive things that you can know it's the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm telling you. When the Holy Spirit shows up, there's distinctive things that handle. I think Brother Kendall is definitely a great man of God. And you need to read that. You need to listen to that that pigeon religion. He talks about some experiences he's had. You know, the Bible says, test the spirits. Test the spirits. Don't you want the genuine move of the Holy Spirit? We don't want any weird stuff. We don't want some false thing because we can have the real. Amen? Come on. He came suddenly. Here's another way he came. He came supernaturally. 
He came, there was wind, there was fire, and then they began to speak with tongues. Wind is an illustration of the awesome power of God. God's saying to them, I'm powerful. There was wind, they could hear wind. And then there was fire. Fire is illustra illustrative of the, the, the purifying nature of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is wanting to make us holy. He wants to make us more like Jesus. We can't do it on our own, all right? We can't be what Jesus wants us to be on our own. Therefore, he's given us the precious Holy Spirit. And then tongues is illustrated of the prophetic nature of the Holy Spirit. Think about what I just said, the wind, the fire, tongues, the power of the Holy Spirit, the purity of the Holy Spirit, the prophetic nature of the Holy Spirit. See, the church, when the Holy Spirit is in the church, there's power, genuine power to live in victory. Then when the Holy Spirit's in the church, there's real purity. There's real purity. We can be pure before God. We can be holy. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. Nobody's ever lived perfect but one, and that's Jesus. He ain't here. But I can tell you this. The Holy Spirit gives us power. We can truly live for God. And when the Holy Spirit is in the church, there is a prophetic voice in the church. What are we doing today? I am prophesying to you. I am speaking to you by the word of God because this is the book of the Holy Spirit, and we need to preach his word. He came supernaturally, but he also came surprisingly. He came in a surprising way. What happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out? All of a sudden, people, they went, apparently they left from where they are, and they went out into the street, and all of a sudden, the people that were lost and didn't know God, they were absolutely surprised. Why? They began to hear these people speak in languages that were their languages, but those people were from a totally different nationality. They were Galileans. And, and they said, and, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews and devout men. This is Acts 2 5. From every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. They were confused. They were surprised. They, they said, because everyone heard them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? Verse 11 says, Christians, Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Whatever could this mean? They were so surprised. Here's these Galileans. They're speaking all these different languages. And what are they hearing them? Really, really what they're hearing, they're not preaching the gospel. What they're hearing is, the, this is supernatural language that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it seems to me, as I look at the text, what they were doing is, the Holy Spirit was praising through them. They were declaring the marvelous works of God. They were worshiping, and God was using that, their, their tongue to do that, to magnify Him. And then all of a sudden, we come to this last part. And there was a message that was preached on that day. The message that day of, of the coming of the Spirit. We know that Peter's the speaker. We know that he denied the Lord. We know that the Lord recovered him and restored him and empowered him to preach. Now look at his message. Let's highlight it quickly. What, what, what was his message? What was the message? It was a message that centered in Jesus' redemptive work. We need to talk about Jesus every time we go. We have no reason to exist without Jesus. 
If I ever come to the pulpit and say, okay, today I'm going to, I'm going to preach on three steps to good time management, please leave and find another church. If I ever take this pulpit and say, okay, today we're going to talk about how to invest in the stock market and not lose your shirt, please find another church. We have no reason to exist. Our message is Jesus Christ. Our, our Savior is Jesus Christ. Our message is the death, it's the burial, it's the resurrection of Christ. We have nothing without Jesus. Paul said, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is Peter's message. When the Holy Spirit came on him, he preached Christ. When the Holy Spirit is on the church, it's Christ, it's Christ, it's Christ. The Holy Spirit has no desire to highlight any poor preacher, to, uh, to exalt any human being at all. Our goal is to exalt him, the worthy one. And Peter preached and said, men of Israel, and he talked and he said, verse 23, being delivered by the determined purpose of God and have taken, you've taken by lawless hands, crucified, you put Jesus to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was no, not possible that he should be held by it. What is that? Christ also, he, his message was about Christ coming in judgment. A lot of preachers are too scared to preach on judgment. They've tailored their message. What does the people want? How's it, what's going to work today? You know, it ain't about what works. Bad English, but good, good theology. It's not about what you want. It's not about what the world wants. That's not what the church is about. It's about what Christ wants. It's about what the Lord wants. And what did Peter say to them? Verse 19 and 20, I will show you wonders in the heaven and signs on the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. This speaks of a time before the end of this age. We're in the age of the Holy Spirit. We're in the last days. I believe we're in the last of the last days. This, there's a seven-year time coming called the tribulation period. It's going to be the great tribulation. Peter is saying here, the day of the Lord is coming. He's saying at the end of this age, it's going to end in judgments in this world. That's what the scripture teaches prophetically. And his message was really in some sense about defending the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They were saying, these men are drunk. These men are drunk. He said, no, these men are not drunk. This is a genuine work of the Holy Spirit. You men have misjudged. You've misjudged. You think these people, it's not, it's, it's not even hardly nine in the morning, but yet this is, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. So what's Peter doing? He's defending and explaining the genuine move of the Holy Spirit. And then within this message, he calls people to repent. Verse 37, and when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. So Peter's message didn't make them happy. It hurt them. But it hurt them to help them. Amen? And Peter said, to, and the rest of the apostles, men, they said to them, Men and brethren, what shall we do? I mean, such power was on this message. Such convicting, drawing power. Such convicting power that the people said, What do we do? Peter said to them, Repent. 
And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And many, with many other words. In other words, he didn't, you thought he was closing there. He didn't close. He didn't close. And I hadn't said I was closing yet, so don't get me there. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, be saved from this perverse generation. I close. Ah, there it is. Ah, you got me. But that's my first close. No, I'm kidding. I'm closing. You know, you got to have three points and then three closes or it's not even a... Okay, all right. I close with this thought. We, we looked at the, the meaning. We looked at the message. We look here at the movement. During World War II... When, when, the, when the mighty U.S. Navy was pressing forward in the Pacific, the Japanese didn't know what to do. So they, they developed a death squad called Kamikaze. There was over a thousand of them that, that crashed and died, crashed into our ships. We lost many ships. Kamikaze means divine wind. Those men sacrificed their lives. But they sacrificed their lives for a false cause, for an empty cause, for a dead-end cause. Because they, that wasn't the divine wind. There, there is a divine wind. And His name is Holy Spirit. And if we will give our lives to Him, if we will sacrifice our lives, lay our lives down for the church of Jesus Christ and for Jesus if we will surrender to him, God will fill us with a divine wind. And we're not, we're, not in a, we're not in a dead cause. We're doing the most important thing known in the history of the world. We are, we are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we are filled with the divine wind, the movement of the Holy Spirit leads the church in a certain way. Verse 42, and then we'll close. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship of bread, breaking of, prayer, uh, breaking of bread and prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things common in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them all, among all, and also as also had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When the divine wind of the Holy Spirit is in the church, he will always lead the church in these movements that I've just read to you. First of all, devotion. They, stead, they continue steadfastly. That means they persevere devotionally. The divine wind of the Holy Spirit will lead us in the Word of God, the apostles' doctrine. Scripture will be central when the Holy Spirit is in the church. Fellowship. That means participation, fellowship. Everyone's involved in the life of the church when we're full of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us. Prayer, prayers, which is individual and corporate, is an expression of dependence on God. When the Holy Spirit moves us, we become more dependent on God. As we move through this journey in building this church, we need to depend on the Lord. 
Worship. They worship. Praise is a part when the divine wind of the Holy Spirit. Reverence. Fear came on every soul. Signs and wonders. We believe in a God of miracles. Unity. They all who believed were together. Generosity. The soul. There's whoever had possessions. They gave to those who were in need. Generosity is part when the divine wind is among us. And soul winning. And the Lord added to the church those who are being saved. All the people were witnessing. It wasn't just the leaders. Everyone was sharing why the Holy Spirit had filled them. They were concerned about their neighbors, their neighborhood, their coworkers, their family, their friends. They were witnessing. They were sharing Christ. They were getting saved. Why? They were full of the Holy Spirit of God. Oswald Smith wrote this. Listen to this. Savior, fill me with thy spirit as I seek and wait and pray. Bend and break me, blessed master. Make me holy thine today. Lord, I bow in full surrender. Yield it all I have to thee. Come, fill me with thy spirit. Sanctify thyself in me. I would tarry in thy presence till endued with power and love. I, I would know the mighty fullness of thy spirit from above. Will he come in all his fullness as I now obey thy call? Yes, oh yes, for thou hast promised, if I come, confessing all. Why don't we just stand, and let's just stand and pray a moment here. We're going to go outside and baptize little precious Allie. But I want us to pray as our musicians will just come, or Tori come. Let's just pray right now. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But let's just ask the Lord to fill us with his presence and his grace. I want you to be filled with the presence of the Lord. I want you to feel his love and warmth. I want you to know that he wants a relationship with you. And if you're a child of God, as Brother Tory said, and I believe that's the correct doctrine, that it's a work subsequent. It is a power. It is anointing, not for salvation, but for service. And everyone needs the presence of God's power. Let's, let's begin to pray. You pray right there. Just pray. Just pray. Begin to call on the Lord right there where you are. Lord, fill us. Fill us as a church with your great spirit, Lord. Fill us with your presence today. Fill us with your grace and mercy. Lord, we need your filling today. We need to fill us up. We need to be full and overflowing. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Father, we ask that you would feel I ask that you fill every person that knows you in this room. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with that refreshing life. You said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. Fill me. Ask the Lord to do that. Say, Lord, fill me today. Now we're going to begin to worship a little bit. But right there where you are, just, just meditate on the Lord. Ask him, Lord, fill me. Fill me to serve you. Fill me for preaching and ministry. Fill me for that class. Fill me to be an usher. Fill me to be a servant of the Lord. Fill me to help build the church, to be a soul winner. Fill me, Lord.